1: Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football
0: Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-host today is Matt Harrison. Hi Matt, on hey, the phone. Mitch, how's it going? Uh, good. You are um a satellite. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know it's weird times, man. You know it just you know this is this is all it's all strange stuff right now, but that's just how it goes, and and we don't mind. Um, good to have you on the show, and we don't. We've we spent the two weeks ago. You and I talked about all the quarterback changes around the NFL, so I think it only makes sense to turn around now and continue talking about. Some of the uh the wide receiver changes and the tight end changes will stay with the passing game. How's that sound?
2: Absolutely. Let's get those pass catchers uh let's get caught up on pass catchers. How about that? There I'm we
1: go. Caught up on pass catchers. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, okay. all right. Well, let's uh let's begin. Uh let's begin here. Probably the biggest move of the offseason from the receivers. DeAndre Hopkins goes to Arizona. Now, what he leaves behind is not all, not all that compelling. Maybe. What do you think of Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb?
2: I mean, I have major downgrades to Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. We'll talk about Randall Cobb in a little bit, but uh, and and here's where everybody's going to chime in now and go. But, Matt, Will Fuller is now wide receiver one in Houston. Well, Will Fuller's never been healthy.
3: Mm-hmm. He's
2: never played without DeAndre Hopkins eating up double coverage. And right. people are paying more for Fuller and Dynasty right now. So I, if you own him, I'd sell him right now just on the prospect of you can sell him as a wide receiver one. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, you're a genius. If you hold him or you're buying right now, if it doesn't work out, you're the GOAT here and not the greatest of all time.
1: no the other kind i i think i think those are i think that's really salient i think the points you raise on will fuller are those are all reasons for caution now if lightning strikes in a bottle and you know he stays healthy for 16 games and they pour wide receiver one targets into him you will rue the day you let him go but i think there's 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 more downside than upside and and the value for will fuller is probably pretty high now let's flip over to yeah, go ahead. Wide
2: receiver's such a such a deep position, too, that I, I think that you can find Will Fuller like guys all over the place in Dynasty and redraft. So I'm I'm not worried about missing out on the Will Fuller train here.
1: Let's flip over to Arizona, where now DeAndre Hopkins has got Kyler Murray throwing him the ball, but he's also got to deal with Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler might come back. He's, he's one of my one of my favorite draft guys from last year. Um, what do you think about DeAndre Hopkins and his fit for the Cardinals?
2: See, I don't think that it's a downgrade at all. It's probably a better offense for him since there seems to be more guys around him. Uh, the coach doesn't seem insane, and the, having the ability to just drop a player like DeAndre Hopkins would drop a bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I in Dynasty I have Hopkins as the wide receiver two right now, just behind Michael Thomas and just ahead of DeBarve Adams. Yeah. They're all kind of grouped in that top tier for me. But I, I don't think that it's a downgrade at all. Kyler Murray, similar style to what Deshaun Watson is doing. There's those good wide receivers there. Uh Kenyon Drake is probably an upgrade to any running back that he ever played with in Houston. So I I think that he's in a good spot here.
1: Uh, So just brought, and I'll ask you, I'll ask you this exact question after each of these guys. Uh, Do you believe DeAndre Hopkins has more or less fantasy value this year than last year? I think
2: slightly more, but almost the same.
1: Slightly more, but almost the same. He was wide receiver 10 last year. Okay. Um, I, you know, I worry about the downgraded quarterback. You know, we don't, you know, Kyler Murray's obviously got, will improve. He'll be a better quarterback this year. Uh, but, In my mind, he's taking a step backwards from going from Watson to uh, Murray. Let's go to Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Let's go to Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. Uh, Now, he leaves behind in Minnesota. Adam Thielen, and that's about it. B.C. Johnson, Chad Beebe. I mean, it falls off the table, at least pre-draft, for the Vikings. What are your thoughts on what gets left behind in Minnesota with Stefan Diggs gone? Uh
2: I think it's an absolute major hit to Cousins and Thielen, probably the whole fantasy offense in general. I mean, if you think about Stephon Diggs, drew coverage out of Thielen's way, and he drew coverage out of uh, Dalvin Cook and the run game. So I I think it's a pretty big hit to the Vikings overall, and I really think the Vikings have to be in play for one of these uh, top five-ish wide receivers in the first two rounds of the draft, now that they have uh, three picks in the first two rounds. So I think the Vikings are a major player in the wide receiver game in the draft, but uh, I mean the thing is, is Biggs going to Buffalo? Gosh, that is a it's a super weird fit for him. He chose Josh Allen, who had Pro Football Focus's highest passing grade in passes under 19 yards, but the worst passing grade in the league in passes over 19 yards. So Diggs is going to have to get these catches short and he's going to have to make a lot happen with them and that hasn't really necessarily been Diggs game in Minnesota
1: for the last few years. No, that hasn't. You know, Diggs is great at a lot of aspects and he he creates a lot of cushion, elite route runner. Um he he would find ways to get open downfield and got frustrated when Kirk didn't hit him enough downfield. Well, wait till he, wait till he gets a load of Josh Allen and the downfield <laughs> passing there. Um So we'll see. I think I think the field shortens a lot for Stefan Diggs. I'm worried about the touchdown totals, which had been a an ongoing problem for him anyway. And if you if you take away some of the deep passing, which is one of the things Kirk does really well. I don't know. I'm 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 nervous about about what Diggs can bring. He was he was fantasy wide receiver 13 last year. Do you believe his fantasy value goes up or down this year?
2: I think it goes down and in dynasty on my trade value chart right now, I have him at wide receiver 21 because there's just a lot of really good wide receivers in fantasy right now. It's very deep that position overall. So I I think that this is a downgrade for Diggs.
1: He'll I think he sees a lot of passes. You know, John Brown will be deep speed guy. Cole Beasley will do what he does roaming the middle. Uh, Diggs will probably lead the team in, in targets, which will be, which will be helpful. Doesn't no way he falls off the table. I don't think, but yeah, it's uh, no.
2: I think he's still a wide receiver too. In in for fantasy purposes, I think he's definitely finding a way to be in the
1: top twenty four ish. Yeah, in uh, in in redraft next year. That makes sense. All right, let's move on to Emmanuel Sanders, who is now a member of the New, the New Orleans Saints. He leaves behind in San Francisco a, a pretty weird group. You got Debo Samuel, who looked terrific down the stretch last year. But then you have Kendrick Bourne, all the dropped passes and the weirdness with him. Dante Pettis, who was a total non-factor last year. Jalen Hurd, who got hurt at the beginning of the year. This is another team that's a candidate to hit the draft. Again, even though they've sunk a bunch of draft picks into these young players, uh, this feels like another team that could end up going to the draft as well. What do you think about what, uh, what gets the passing game that he leaves behind in San Francisco?
2: Well, you got to remember, he was only with the Niners for eight weeks. So they probably don't miss him all that much. Mm-hmm. And his the, the end of his stay there, he, he was a little banged up and a little injured. And it, it, he just wasn't as dynamic as a player yeah. uh, near the tail end of that season. So, and, and really, that offense revolves around the running backs and George Kittle. So I'm, I'm not really worried about what he's leaving behind in uh, San Francisco.
1: I think he does leave an opportunity. There's just, you know, they've got Kittle, of course, but... Debo Samuel. But after that, you know, there's 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 catches to be had there. And who steps up at this time is still unclear. If they put a they put a relatively early pick at receiver in this deep draft, that that might be the answer to the uh, the answer to the question for San Francisco. But let's shift over to New Orleans. Obviously, there's Michael Thomas. They've been unable to cultivate anybody else worth a damn. Um Traquan Smith, you know, Deontay Harris, nobody, nobody else has been able to step up. So, Austin Carr, uh, so do, is what do you think about Emmanuel Sanders and, and the fit here for him with Drew Brees?
2: Well, just this charge. In one year, Emmanuel Sanders goes from Joe Flacco to Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> to Drew
1: Brees. That's not
2: too terrible a, for a wide receiver. It's a
1: nice progression. So,
2: yeah, it's, it's going the correct way for him. Uh, Sanders has had 90 or more targets in seven straight years, he's certainly more of a possession slot guy. Yeah. You're probably rostering him in PPR league, but not much else. He's, he's at age 33, too. I have him at uh, wide receiver 44 in Dynasty. And I think he's like, a, in, in a three-wide receiver league, he might start as your third wide receiver. But mm-hmm. beyond that, he's probably a flex play in most leagues. And, and really, I think he's a he's a PPR guy that you have to keep an eye on. But if you're not a PPR league, I don't think Sanders is going to Take many rosters in your
1: league. Um, I think he'll be rosterable, and I guess I'm, I'm not quite as down on him as you are. But Jared Cooks obviously a factor. Alvin Kamara's pass catching ability is a factor. There's you know they still have other options, um, but clearly they wanted to, they were I clearly the Saints were frustrated with the development of the young players, and they just wanted a plug and play guy that they knew could go catch passes. And yeah. you know that's that's what they've got in Emmanuel Sanders. I think I think he'll get used some, and I think he'll be more than. A spot duty Ted Ginn, you know, like that, that Hail Mary start that you'd give Ted Ginn once a year um, and just hope that this was the game when it, when it connects, this is, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be that way here. I think he's going to be more like, you know, four and five receptions a game and he'll be a what much more steady producer than what we've had out of that number two receiver spot.
2: Yeah. I, I just worry about his ability to convert touchdowns because if you look back at his past, he really hasn't had more than five or six touchdowns in a year in any mm-hmm. given any given season. So with Michael Thomas being a big target and Jared Cook, and they, they got two good running backs, that can punch the ball in near the goal line. I just worry that he's not going to get enough scores, and his yardage is probably going to be eaten up on short and intermediate routes. And so if he's getting four or five catches a game, you're probably looking at 50 to 60 yards yeah and while that's not terrible it's it's very ppr oriented you need those catches to make the points and if you don't have the, the ppr points i don't think that he's worth roster
1: all right so emmanuel sanders is his fantasy value higher or lower than last year
2: uh, i think it goes up just because he goes to a better offense and i think it's a good fit but uh like I said, a little nervous
1: outside of PPR. Randall Cobb goes to Houston and he leaves behind in Dallas. Um, really the slot duties right now, I guess, are Tavon Austin, I guess. Uh, you know, they don't they don't have an obvious slot guy at this point. Um, it'll pro- I'm guessing it'll be Tavon Austin. Um, but otherwise, Dallas feels unchanged and he didn't have, I think, a lot of impact. Uh, he had some impact for Dallas. I think he's got potentially a lot more impact in Houston because DeAndre Hopkins is gone and they paid him. Three years, twenty-seven million dollars. I mean, that's a that's a gigantic financial commitment. What a poorly run team! Gigantic financial commitment for Randall Cobb, a slot receiver, when they already had Kiki Cutie, who was running out of the slot.
2: Uh, Cobb hasn't had nine hundred yards or had more than six touchdowns since two thousand fourteen. Oof! He's the third wide receiver on the depth chart in Houston. He's not likely on fantasy rosters next year. I I don't know what they're doing. This is a lame, lame replacement for Hopkins. If the Texans wanted to draft somebody Highly, they'd probably have to make another crazy trade to do so right now because they just don't have their picks anymore. So this is just a bizarre fit. I don't I don't want anything to do with Randall Cobb. He didn't leave behind anything in Dallas either. Like Dallas is like, see ya, have a good one. I mean, well, Mike McCarthy they- knew, knew Randall Cobb intimately right. after having him in Green Bay for years and years. And he was like, no, we can let Randall
1: Cobb go. I think they, so I think they just got them as pink. I think Mike McCarthy just got priced out of this deal. Um, or the Jones family did. Three years, $27 million. I think Dallas just said, you know, that we're not even going to consider that. And I, they maybe they would have kept him at a better price. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I think you and I differ here a little bit. I think that, I think there's uh, way more balls to go around here in Houston and way more opportunity for Randall Cobb to get action than when he was playing in Dallas where he had to he had to share balls with, with Gallup and Cooper and trying to, you know, just trying to be a third option there and he just wasn't on the field that much and balls didn't come his way. I think he's got a lot more opportunity to just be on the field more and be a, a bigger part of this passing offense that's missing DeAndre Hopkins.
2: See I think Randall Cobb went to a much worse offense in Houston. Uh Dallas's offense is pretty good. Uh, good wide receivers to uh, help eat up the double coverage. Uh, a good running back. Uh, we don't know if David Johnson's any good anymore, or if he can stay on the field. So I, I, Randall Cobb won't be on any of my rosters this coming year.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all right. So you're on. You've Randall Cobb's fantasy value will be lowered this year. I think it's going to be higher. Let's go to Robbie Anderson, who migrates to the Jet from the Jets to the Panthers. Let's start with the Jet side. They've got Jamison Crowder, Quincy Anunwa, Brashad Perryman, who we'll talk about more there. What's left behind in New York, and does that interest you?
2: Uh, well, Anderson was really the lone downfield threat in New York, and but everybody's already rumored the Jets to be very active in the draft in the first couple of rounds on a wide receiver. I've mm-hmm. seen so many mocks with either Ceedee Lamb or Jerry Judy going to New York, yeah. and I imagine that uh, one of these top flight wide receivers ends up in New York. So I think they're going to be okay. But I mean, Church. We kind of uh, when we talked about Tony Bridgewater the other day in Carolina, we were we were kind of panning how uh, uh, Curtis Samuel and how he won't be able to catch these downfield passes. Well, Robbie Anderson's a complete downfield threat, right? So I mean, you can you can tell me how this is going to work. I we know how it's going to work. It's
1: badly is how it's going to work. <laughs> it's um, you know, you're connecting. You know, Robbie Anderson's whole bit is is deep field speed and separation. And Teddy doesn't throw those balls. That's, that's just the reality of it. And it's uh it's a bad fit. I don't, I don't love it here for Robbie Anderson. Um, and I think his fantasy value is lower than last year. And I think he's got more guys to compete against and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are good players, you know, in, with the jets. Well, with with
2: that two church, it's worth noting that in the past four weeks, the Panthers have signed Robbie Anderson, Farrell Cooper, the Andrew White, Keith Kirkwood, and Seth Roberts to their wide receiver core. And they still have DJ Moore and Curtis Daniel on the roster. Yeah. I... They've seven they have seven wide receivers right now. Not that all of those guys are gonna make a big difference, but that's just a lot of mounds on that roster. Some of them are gonna get cut, but this is it's it's such a weird play that they're making in Carolina right now.
1: All right. So do we both agree that Robbie Anderson's fantasy value is lower than last year?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh it's pretty tanked right now.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to track down more of the wide receivers who moved. And we're going to work into the tight ends that have found themselves in new places. It's
4: Fantasy Football Weekly. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
1: Paul Charchi and Matt Harrison with you. We've already broken down DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, Robbie Anderson. Let's move to some of the third tier guys here. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on them, but Rashad Perryman was explosive at the end of last year when he when the, the Bucks had no choice but to throw him the ball with everybody else hurt. And now he goes to the Jets where he really takes over the Robbie Anderson role. But before we go there, let's just talk briefly about Tampa Bay and what gets left behind. That's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and... Nobody else of note.
2: <laughs> well, I, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be hurting for wide receiver depth or guys who can catch passes there. So, I mean, we can, we can talk about how Perriman really slashed the end into 2019. He had three games over 100 yards uh-huh. in the last few weeks yep. and five touchdowns in the last four games of the season. So uh, he, he showed a little bit. And remember, he's got a first round pedigree. Last year was his only year in Tampa. And he spent the remainder of his career with Joe Flacco. So, I mean, Perriman might just be a guy who's starting to flourish just because he has adequate quarterback play. And uh, I don't think Darnold could be qualified as uh, an adequate quarterback.
1: Yeah. You know, he's still young, Perriman, because he came out of school uh, early. I want to say he's, he's 26. He's 26 right now. I mean, I think it's just too early to call him a bust. Maybe he can have a... A fifth year kind of you know a uh, fifth year kind of explosion a little bit like we saw with Devontae Parker maybe that's going to be Rashad Perriman. so now he's um, he's in New York and he's the go to guy just like he was at the end of at the end of the year with Tampa Bay they got Jamison Crowder in the slot Quincy and in the slot that's it there's no other help there and the Jets will probably draft a wide receiver but I wonder if Perriman can't do a little bit he doesn't have Win- James Winston throwing throwing him the ball. But I wonder if he can't do a little bit of what we saw at the end of last year when a whole passing offense had to go through him and he exploded. Maybe that happens here with the Jets.
2: I I mean, I think his downside is Robbie Anderson from last year, right? Right. Where I think that he can kind of fill in that role almost completely. So, I'm, I, Brashad Perriman suddenly becomes relevant. And I think that he's worth a look. And there's mostly a lot of people who picked him up on dynasty afters last year, just near the end of the season, because Mm -hmm. he was doing so well. Yeah. He's going to stick on some of those dynasty and, uh Right now, I have him at uh, dynasty wide receiver number 53. And I think that might be a little low. I think He's that's a lot. He's in D.D. Westbrook and Sterling Shepard right now.
3: Oh, I'd, so yeah, I'd rather you know, a Wide
2: receiver. Yeah, I, I think I rather would, too. So I'm probably looking at moving him up in the next couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like Perriman in this bit. Um, it depends on who they draft in the first or second round and if they get another wide receiver to go with him, it might ding him a little bit, but I don't think it'll hurt him all that much.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, even if they even if they take a high profile first round wide receiver, Perriman still walks in the door as pro- the probable number one because uh because he's a veteran and, you know, based on the, the play that we saw at the end of last year, I wonder if that wouldn't be the case. So yeah, I, I'm I think uh, the fantasy value here, I think we're both gonna agree higher. Than last year, when you look at the totality of last year, not just the three games at the end of the year, higher for Brashad Perriman is the go-to receiver for the Jets. Correct. Let's go to Philip Dorsett as he migrates to Seattle. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Leaves behind in New England. Julian Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry, Muhammad Sanu, those are your three starters there. Dorsett, they they tried to replace him like nine times, right? I mean, just constantly trying to replace him. No, wait.
3: Nope. Nine times. There we go. Nine yeah. times.
2: I think Dorsett comes in as the wide receiver three behind Lockett and Metcalf, obviously, in a run-first offense that features the tight end in the red zone a lot. And they get three decent tight ends in Greg Olson, Jacob Hollister, and Will Disley. I don't think Dorsett's fantasy viable this year.
1: I agree. I don't think you'll be drafting him. Um, He will be a bi-week emergency plug-in barring injury to Metcalf or Lockett. Let's go to Devin Funchess, who's going to be cut in uh, Green Bay. A wide two different wide receiver deficient teams, Carolina and Indianapolis, didn't want him and have let him walk. And he's coming off injury. And f- forget it. I think that's a terrible signing.
2: Yeah, you always love it when a player hits his third team in three years. It's a good and sign. The best thing about Funchess is that Aaron Rodgers said, "Did you hear about the guy named Funchess? You got fun and chef in the same name. Do so you know it's going to be pretty good?" Uh, <laughs> I haven't. His- Dynasty wide receiver, 270.
1: I like it. Good. Uh, Nelson Aguilar goes to Las <laughs> Vegas. Um, and he does, he, he leaves behind in Philadelphia, Sean Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and not a lot else. Uh, J.J. Arthega, Whiteside, who was not good last year. That's, um, you know, for Aguilar, they desperately needed him to step up last year when everybody got hurt. And he couldn't do it, and he's always, he's got to play in the slot. He's never been any good anywhere else, and now he's got to share time in the slot with Hunter Renfro in in Las Vegas. I don't like this move in particular.
2: No, I don't. I don't think he can pass Hunter Renfro on the depth chart, and the Raiders are in play for a wide receiver in round one or two. Mm -hmm. So I I think that it's going to be tough for Aguilar to find snaps this year, so I don't think he's on rosters either.
1: All right, we agree. Let's uh, let's talk briefly about some wide receivers who are staying put, uh, and that includes Amari Cooper. Five years, $100 million, and he stays put there. Where do you have him in your dynasty rankings? It's got to be at or near the top, considering he's also teamed with a young, very good quarterback in Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, I have him at uh, dynasty wide receiver number five. Uh, don't sleep on Michael Gallup, by the way, who almost equaled. Amari Cooper's numbers last year. Yep. Uh, I think Michael Gallup people are really sleeping on, and he's, he's like Amari cooper light
3: yeah. in that
2: offense. So yeah. I like him quite a bit. Uh, and Cooper is dinged up for most last year, still finished 12th in that wide receiver points per game. So I still like Cooper quite a bit.
1: Yeah. I think his uh, fantasy value this year is potentially higher because he won't be injured Rolling going into the season with a serious foot injury. He won't be injured this year. So I think he's got room to... He's got wide receiver one overall, highest scoring wide receiver upside, Amari Cooper does. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to A.J. Green getting the franchise tag. Um, you know, he had the crazy lost season with the ankle injury that, you know, happened in the middle of August and didn't recover until late December, and then he had a hamstring injury and couldn't play. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I I a lot of people believe that he... Didn't want to play for the Bengals, so he didn't, you know, he was not being honest about the ankle injury and its status and maybe not the hamstring injury. So, yeah, that's a um, there's I'm a little bit surprised that he got the franchise tag because if you're the Bengals, why do you want to have a guy on your team who doesn't want to be on your team?
2: Yeah, and remember, we haven't seen Green on the field since Marvin Lewis was the coach there, mm-hmm. and he's going to have a new quarterback, probably Joe Burrow at quarterback. We don't know how he's going to fare in the Zach Taylor offense. Yep. Uh, but rookies do tend to focus on their favorite targets and not progress through a ton of reads. Yeah. So if Green is one of the top two reads in most of these uh, most of these pass plays, he's probably going to get a lot of targets. I have him at a dynasty value of wide receiver 29 right now, mostly because he's 31 years old and coming off a pretty bad injury. And I think that his value is a little bit lower right now, but uh, he's a guy that I think you could gobble up uh, at a cheap price right now. If you're looking to make some dynasty trades, He's right. a guy that I ended up getting on most of my dynasty rosters last year just because I was throwing away a couple of seasons last year. But uh, it's a nice guy to get right now.
1: Well, you know, with Joe Burrow, if you believe Burrow's going to be great, and honestly, I do. I think, you know, he looks as promising as any any quarterback we've seen, rookie quarterback in, in recent years, then I want his best receiver. And that's still A.J. Green right now. And you can get him, you're right, you can get him in, in dynasty and empire leagues for virtually nothing. Uh, Matt, let's take a break and let's uh, turn our attention to tight ends. A lot of tight end movement and action, an inordinate number this year. Let's talk tight ends when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly.
4: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
1: Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Jarchian and Matt Harrison via phone because social distancing. So that's just how it works right now. Um, I I was surprised that the Falcons let Austin Hooper go. Now, he signed a big deal with Cleveland, um, but he was so good last year. He was one of the great, great fantasy finds of last season. And um, it's it's, an, it's to, to me a little bit surprising that Atlanta decided after spending all that time to get him to be such a big part of the offense after he was, you know, start his career is really almost a non-factor um, that they ultimately let him go. He's in, he's in Cleveland now. What are your thoughts on Austin Hooper as a Brown?
2: Um, yeah, well, Hooper was one of like about three tight ends that really outperformed ADP last year, last year, tight end as a whole, the, the the players that were good were still good, but they didn't get you the stats that you wanted. Uh-huh. And it was Hooper, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller who were the guys that I think really outperformed ADP. And you probably saw those guys on a lot of uh, championship rosters in leagues last year. Um, Cleveland had a very similar offense to Atlanta. Two good wide receivers, a decent running game, yeah. some offensive line question marks,
1: well, a, quarterback a little fewer one, it, with a high
2: draft pedigree.
1: Yeah, a little bit fewer offensive lines with, uh, with uh, question marks with the signing of Jack Conklin, the top tackle in the free agent market. I mean that that helps a lot right there, and that might free up Hooper to, to have good. to have to block less.
2: Yeah, and well, then he uh, enters Kevin Stefanski's offense, which was pretty tight and neutral last season with the Vikings. The Vikings finished 14th in team tight end fantasy points last year uh-huh. with kyle rudolph and herb smith although the vikings did have eight tight end touchdowns last year which was good for seventh in the league yeah the browns had nine tight end touchdowns last year which was tied for fourth in the league right so uh i i think that there's some upside for hooper here i still have him as a uh, tight end number seven in dynasty he's only 25 years old let's see if he can do it again
1: yeah, and, and, and that, could end up, uh, that could end up being the case here. Um, I think you, you identified my biggest worry for Austin Hooper, and that's just, is there enough ball to go around? There, this is a great running team um, with arguably the best one-two running back punch in the NFL, and that, there's just, is there enough balls to go around to make Austin Hooper as successful here as he was in Cleveland? So do you believe that Cooper's fantasy, Austin Hooper, excuse me, do you believe his fantasy value is higher or lower this year compared to last year?
2: is the same.
3: <laughs>
2: I think he's right there. I think he's actually right about the same. Uh, tight end seven is, is where I have him. And uh, I think that that's a really good spot for him right there.
1: Uh, I think, I think it's actually down uh, just because again, I think, okay. I, I think that I, and it's not that I think he's going to be a worse player. Uh, he was, uh, he was tight end seven last year. I think he's, uh, I think he's right. I think he's, I just worry that OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, there's just a lot of mouths to feed there. All right, so let's go to the Thank team you. he left, Atlanta. They acquired Hayden Hurst via trade. And this really, you know, Mark Andrews, this helps Mark Andrews a lot. So let's start there. This, where does this put Mark Andrews in your mind into the, that Kelsey Kittle conversation with knowing that Hayden Hurst isn't going to be there to draw out balls away from away from Mark Andrews?
2: I think Mark Andrews is probably either your tight end three or four going into uh, cheat sheet season next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would guess Kittle and Kelsey are one and two. Uh, and you can make a case for Darren Waller as number three, but it's Waller and Andrews who I think are the next tier along with Zach Ertz there. So he's definitely a top five tight end there.
1: Yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's tight end three. That's how I, I like Mark okay. Andrews that much and think he's got room to grow into from last year's numbers where he still scored the 10 touchdowns. But I think the receptions and the yardage numbers can be even higher now. And that's that puts him into stratospheric category uh, potential category at tight end. What do you think about uh, what do you think about Hayden Hurst as a member of the Falcons where he'll have to compete with Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley for balls?
2: Hayden Hurst is moving into a good offense Mm -hmm. that just saw Austin Hooper thrive last season. Uh, Atlanta's been top 10 in tight end receptions each of the last two years. And if you think about the 18 and Austin Hooper wasn't doing much, they're still top 10 in tight end receptions that year. Yeah. So I have Hurst at tight end 20 in Dynasty right now, but the opportunity is there and he may be a big time sleeper, um so I kind of like him as one of those guys who can outperform ADP and he'll probably be moving up my uh dynasty ranks and redraft ranks a little bit more as we near the season.
1: Yeah, I think he's he belongs higher than twenty. I mean twenty, you're in like I don't know, at twenty you're in like the Darren Fells level, right? The Greg Olson level. I would much rather have uh Hayden Hurst. Uh, So we both agree.
3: He's
2: right around Kyle Rudolph, Greg Olson, Johnny Smith, those kind of guys.
1: Yeah. I like Johnny Smith too. Actually, he's one of my favorite sleepers. Um, But that's a, that's a conversation for another, another podcast. Let's go to Tyler. And we both agree Hayden Hurst value goes up. It's without a doubt. This is an easy one. Tyler, I, I want to spend just a moment on some of the other guys that don't matter as much. Not a lot of time. Tyler Eifert goes to Jacksonville. He has not played a full season since his rookie year in the past 64 Bengals games. Tyler Eifert has started eight of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, since he's not going to miss him at all because he was never on the field Correct. anyway. Correct. Um, plus, an oft injured player coming into an offense that hasn't used a tight end is just a bad fit. Jacksonville's tight ends have only totaled 99 receptions in the last two years total. Wow, that's Six terrible. Six NFL teams had more than that last season alone. Right. And Travis Kelsey had uh, 97 receptions on his own last year. <laughs> so this is a bad fit for Eifert.
1: Yeah. The only good news is he's basically unopposed in Jacksonville, presumably rolls into the season healthy and will be the starter. And so for anybody who sloughs that tight end position to the you know 18th round, here's a starting tight end who has proven he can be effective when he's on the field. Let's go to Eric Ebron, who goes to Pittsburgh. Um, this leaves Jack to me more interesting. You know, he goes into a battle with Vance McDonald for playing time, just like Jesse James did a couple of years ago. But Jack Doyle's now your full time starting tight end for the Colts. I think that might be the most interesting part of this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's the best, the best part of this is we don't have to play the Doyle Ebron guessing game anymore. I actually kind of would have liked to see Ebron stay in Indy with rivers. Who's focused on the tight end a lot in his, Uh in his past. Uh, Ebron might've been a little bit more interesting uh, with rivers in, in Indy this year, but, uh, He's in Pittsburgh now, and he said on Twitter that he's the best tight end in the AFC North. Although I think Mark Andrews and Austin Hooper and maybe even Vance McDonald might have something to say about that. That's right. Um, It's a bad move uh, for Ebron. He moves to a timeshare. He's Title 26 in my book right now. I I don't really like him in this spot at all.
1: Uh, And now some signings I really don't like. Jason Witten to Las Vegas? Why? And he's stuck behind Darren Wall. He's not even going to be a starter. He's a 15-year veteran. Why do, why why do, he why go be a backup in Las Vegas?
2: I can tell you exactly why. He wanted to go get tips from John Gruden on how to be somewhat successful in the booth on Monday Night Football.
1: <laughs> that That's might it. be it. <laughs> um, maybe most notably, Blake Jarwin is now your starting tight end for Dallas. And you know, if you roll Blake, J- Jar- Blake Jarwin's Um, three touchdowns, 365 yards together, um, and you add that into what Jason Witten was bringing to the table, you know, you start to, you know, you start to roll that in. And now we're talking about a a combination of almost a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, this is, uh, well, not quite 10, seven touchdowns. Um, This is where it gets a little bit interesting is, you know, what Blake Jarwin could end up doing with Jason Witten gone.
2: Yeah, our co-host Brian Johnson's been on Jarlin for about a year now, and I think it might actually work out, too. Mm-hmm. So he enters season number three. Jason Whitney, as you said, is gone. Randall Cobb is gone, too. Right. That's a few vacated targets that will probably go his way. I don't think they're going to replace another big-time wide receiver in there. Cooper and Gallup are probably near capacity for targets right now. I mean, Jarwin's max is he didn't top 50 yards once last season, and he didn't score in any of his final eight games. And also, Mike McCarthy is a known tight end avoider.
1: (laughs) That's true. But
2: uh, still, I have him at tight end 15 on my Mm. dynasty trade value chart right now. He's right next to Jack Doyle and Jared Cook.
1: One of the dumbest signings of the year was Jimmy Graham to Chicago. Great for Jimmy Graham, who gets sixteen million dollars on a two-year deal. Um, and unless Trey Burton suddenly gets healthy and effective, uh, I think Graham probably starts for Chicago. But I don't have any—I don't have any belief that he'll be any more effective here than he was when Aaron Rodgers was throwing him the ball.
2: Remember how we talked about Emmanuel Sanders' quarterback progression? Yeah, Jimmy Graham went from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson to Aaron Rodgers either
3: Nick Foles or Mitchell
1: Trubisky. Where's the sad trombone South <laughs> <laughs> out here. Charge, you need it now. I, I was on it. <laughs> it, was, it was, uh, you know, I don't have many chances this time of year to give the sad trombone ski, but there we go. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, now, this is all bad here. Green Bay is really high on prospect Robert Tanyan, and we'll watch him closely throughout training camp and see if he's going to be potentially a sleeper for Green Bay. Greg Olson goes to Seattle. Lots of injuries the last three years. And over those last three years, he has scored two, four, and one touchdowns in those seasons. I'm not interested very much in, in Greg Olson, who also has to deal with Will Disley and Jacob Hollister. To me, that's just a loss. I assume you feel the same way.
2: Um, not quite. The Seahawks have been a top eight tight end touchdown scoring team in each of the last four seasons.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: almost all red zone, too. Where Greg Olson kind of thrives. So if he can stay healthy, and I mean, Disley's still coming back from injury. Uh, Jacob Hollister was like the third string tight end there. Greg Olson might kind of walk into where Jimmy Graham was a few years back when uh, Seattle scored 15 tight end touchdowns just like three years ago. Yeah. So now I'm not calling that, but I could see Greg Olson being in the six to eight touchdown range. Um, that's viable for a, a fantasy tight end, especially a guy you can probably pick up the, with the last pick in your draft or on the waiver wire, and usually take a chance on the style uh,
1: catcher. For the ten minutes he's healthy, uh, Ian Thomas is the starter exactly. for Carolina. I'm not. I, you know, I, I know there are a bunch of people that like Ian Thomas. I've not ever seen anything from Ian Thomas that suggests to me that he can jump into fan, a regular fantasy viability, but. Teddy Bridgewater, you know, tight ends roam right in that Teddy Bridgewater range, the 10 yard pass. And so I think he could be a PPR helper in a pinch, but that's all I that's all I think about, Ian Thomas. Let's well, go to the problem yeah, in
2: ahead. Carolina is Christian McCaffrey's moment in that range, too. And I think he gobbles up everything.
1: Yeah, that too. All right, let's go to uh let's go to one more tight end that I want to talk about. Hunter Henry, who um is going to stay. He resigns with uh re signs with the Chargers. And we'll be catching passes from Tyrod Taylor. Uh, we'll have to compete against uh, Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams for balls, but has proven he can do that. And in, what are your thoughts on, on Hunter Henry here, one of the better young tight ends? Do you
2: really think it's going to be Tyrod Taylor starting the year for the Chargers? Starting, that's my yeah. biggest question starting the, here.
1: starting the year, probably, yes, but maybe not ending the hey. year because Tyrod doesn't usually end the year as the starter.
2: The Chargers are pick six. Yep. In the draft. Um, I, I know a lot of Macs have had them taking a quarterback, maybe Jordan Love or maybe Tua if he falls. But I've also seen a lot of mocks where the Chargers trade up. to number two to take Tua. Which they'll have to give do. that franchise. Yeah. Uh, somebody to kind of believe in. If uh-huh. they can get a good quarterback there, and Tyrod's not bad, but he's, you know, replacement level. Then I like Hunter Henry quite a bit. I still have him as tight end number six in Dynasty. Because he's just been an absolute stud when healthy, so uh, I I don't think we can take that away from him. Whenever he's uh, on the field, he's been absolutely dynamite.
1: Uh, he's been he's been great, and I, I you know I don't I don't think the past injuries are a, su- a suggestion that he can due to the nature of the injuries that he will sustain more. And it's all about you're right. It's all about the the quarterback position and whether or not they can get anything going. This is a team, by the way. They've got like. Eight of, their, eight, like eight of their 10 best players are all going to be free agents next year. And so this is a team that's in serious flux right now. And they're sort of a win. I don't know how you could be win now with Tyrod Taylor, but I, I wonder if they don't end up sort of bottoming out at the end of this, this coming next year. Um, don't resign a lot of their key players and just go through a massive rebuild. And that's, that might be your long-term prognosis for the Chargers.
2: Well, and the Chargers could go the route of the Dolphins this last year yes. and just start trading off pieces, yes. especially with Hunter Henry in the final year of his contract as a uh, franchise guy. He could definitely be dealt during the season to a tight end-needy team. And maybe maybe a team like New England comes to call in who have always really valued the tight end position. It would be interesting to see him end up on a team that really values the tight end. And I think he could get dealt with here.
1: All right. Uh, Matt it's been fun we managed to talk for 41 minutes of just the content portion of the show holy cow that's that's a lot of us too much
2: yeah I, well I think people probably really enjoy it at this time of their life uh, there's been a lot of walking outside I go on a walk every little and pop in a podcast in my ears and it's fantastic it's the way to keep sane right now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, for those of us that are already craving football and more so this year than any other time, cause there's no, no sports diversions. Uh, the draft's going to be absolutely huge. Fantasy football season will be absolutely huge. And I believe the fan, I believe the NFL season will, will go off on time, even if they have to play in empty stadiums. I know most people don't see it that way. I do. Um, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating, but there's definitely pent-up demand out there for fantasy info. Hopefully, this breakdown of the receivers and the tight ends has been helpful. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it.
3: Well, thanks, George.
1: All right. Everybody else, we'll talk to you next week.